0: How many of you really believe one day Jesus Christ is going to return? Uh, I mean, you really believe that? That uh, Christ is going to come back? And you're looking forward to that time in which he's going to do that. And you're really living in a manner which Christ himself is going to come back. And you're saying, that's okay. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I want him to come back. I'm praying to see him come back. I'm hoping I'm alive. Boy, to see that day. Well, there are many different theories out here. Next week, I'm going to bring you three of those theories. All millennialism, premillennialism, postmillennialism. I'm gonna give you a little glimpse of each of each one. And there's some others that are out here, but those are the three main views that are out here. And we want to be aware of them because eventually somebody's gonna talk to you about it. And oftentimes in studies, people cross their information between all three of them. But today we're going to do an introductory somewhat of looking to the end and we want to look to the right end. You can be looking towards the end and be totally wrong in your thinking, your philosophy, and as a man thinketh, so does he live. And what we want to do is make you aware of that as you plan your future, as you look at your future, don't leave God out. Don't leave God out of the analysis of your future. For oftentimes the Word tells us to think soberly or to think wisely. We need to be thinking with the ideal that at some point, the Lord's going to return. We need to be thinking with the idea at some point. And I think for most of us, we couldn't tell the tribulation or when tribulation is going to really start. We're so caught up and so busy with living on this final days in which we're in. We don't care too much about what tomorrow holds or if this happens or that happens. As long as we can eat every day, go to work, see about our families, do a couple of little things that we like to do. If we can do that, we're happy. We're not so concerned about who's in charge, What's the new rules or new laws? And those those laws really don't affect me as an individual. And therefore, tribulation, and tribulation to me can mean different things, but the only thing tribulation means is a trial and testing. And where I'm at sometimes with my research is between the word of tribulation and the word of wrath, that I'm not appointed to God's wrath. Those two things there trouble me. But that's my personal theological trouble. But today we're gonna just look at some things that I think that will ground us if we really understand that times are gonna get worse, even though they may be looking better economically, things are going to get worse. They have to get worse. Because God said it would be, number one. Number two, one of the things I've been praying for is a revival. Revival usually don't come until things are at their very end with. People don't start looking for the Lord until there's some kind of grave crisis that is going on. Go to me, to Psalms, one hundred, verse five. Psalms one hundred and verse five. I don't know if this thing is on and it feeds back. Psalms one hundred. And verse five. And look what the Lord says. He says. Look to what the future may hold without leaving God out. And I want you to keep that in your mind as we go through these. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endured for how long? That's the King James. The NIV says his faithfulness continues through all generation. So for every generation, God has said, I don't care what that generation is, he's going to be faithful In providing what he provides. God is going to be faithful. In providing salvation. God is going to be faithful. In providing for his people. God is going to be faithful. In meeting the needs of his people. In every what? Generation. God is going to be that. In Psalms one verse two. He says, "For for great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of Lord, and en- it endures for how long? Forever. The faithful of God, the faithfulness of God endures forever." I was reading, and, and in two of, two of the books that I read, both these authors bring up some things about end times and. He mentions the United States, Russia, China, Britain, Germany, five to six countries that have the ability to drop a bomb within what is called a, a blocks of a city, either way. And the only thing that bomb will do is kill people. It will not destroy one building. it will kill people but will not destroy one building. DNA. Scientists have gotten so good with DNA that DNA can be targeted by race. So let's say if we wanted to just hit the Spanish race. All Spanish race has a different DNA than the Caucasian, African, Asian, whatever, that you can put something out here and it would only affect those people with that DNA. No other. We are figuring out ways to destroy, we think, millions of people without really letting loose of the nuclear bomb, per se, because of the damage that nuclear does. How many of you ever studied the Euphrates rivers? I never studied it myself until I started into this. They got 17 dams on the Euphrates Rivers. And in Revelation, it talks about that China or the East will be able to walk across the Euphrates River. And one of the dams, when they first started it up in 1990, the president of Turkey hit a switch and the river dropped 75%. And with all 17 dams, they can dry up a certain section of the Euphrates River now. China, for years, has spent billions of dollars on a road, which oftentimes we say are going nowhere, that allows them to march from China all the way down to Israel through the mountains. I forget the name of the road, but I will have it for you in the future as I hit those studies because you can look it up. And when I was reading it, I said, boy, I'm going to put this name in the computer and see if it's real. So I put the name in the computer and it shows me. (laughs) And what I'm trying to say is this. God's promise to his people is that he will be faithful He will be faithful. For great is the love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. In every generation. He says in Psalms 119, 160, he says, All your words are true. How many of you really believe that? That God's word is 100% true absolutely true. It's important to hold on to that, especially as we enter into a different time and a different situation of life. That God's promises, God's word, it is true. Because it's the only thing you're going to really be able to bank on. It's the only thing you're really going to be able to trust. God's word is absolute. As people say, there's no absolute. God's word is absolute. We can trust it. We can hold on to it. In Revelation 3.10 it says, Since you have kept my commands, and he's talking to the church of Philadelphia, he says, Since you have kept my commands to endure patiently. Now, I don't know what all that they were going through, and we can read the history of it and come up with different things. But the thing is this, they endured it. They endured it. Whatever it was, They endured it, and they endured it patiently. So the promise that God gives them, I will keep you from the hour of trial. And it's important to hit the hour of trial. That God's promise is that he will keep me from the hour of the trial. He will keep me from his wrath. God has promised I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world, not just part of the world, but all the world, to test those who live on the earth. He goes on, he says in Matthew twenty-four thirty-six, no one knows about that day or hour. So he's talking about specific day or hour that something is truly going to take place. We can guess about it and theorize it and everything else, but God points out there's a particular day, and he boils it down even then to a particular hour, that he says man knows really nothing about Not even the angels in heaven. It's top secret. It's top secret. And we can research it, and we can guess about it, and we can put numbers together, and we can do this, and we can do that. And we've had people who try to say, this will be the day, this is the day, this what will happen, that one. God says there's going to be a day and an hour. Even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knoweth. In Matthew 24 31 he said, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds from the one end of the heavens to the others. That God in his own specific way is going to gather his people unto himself. God's going to do it. And he's going to use his angels to bring us to himself. And he says, boy, to the four winds, the north, south, west, east, four corners of the world. But the most important thing, he says, and they will gather his elect. Now, A lot of people see the Bible in this area as nothing but a myth. They see this as something that will never take place. But the way we look at things is going to dictate on how we also live. He gives us this warning in Matthew. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, and married. What's going on? They're just doing what? They're just living life. Just living life. Now, also remember this. How long did Noah preach? A hundred years. How many converts did Noah have? Just his family. But the thing is this here. Noah was faithful to preach for a hundred years and nobody outside of his family believed. Think of that. That is something. And he says it will be like in the days of Noah. So a lot of preaching can be going on, but what's happening with the people per se in general. Not really hearing. Not believing. Or choosing not to believe. So they just go on with life. They go ahead and they eat because, boy, that's one of the entertainments we have today. We have more restaurants than, boy, some of the countries in this world could have just a third of the restaurants we have. Do you understand that there are yet places in the world there's no McDonald's? There are parts of India there's no McDonald's? Well, there's probably nowhere you can go in the United States where you will not find a what? A McDonald's in the town or city or close by. And he says, drinking, drinking is the rivalry, the partying that's going on. That people are just interested in their eating and their partying. Do you see that in our culture today? Loans like an eating party. They're not even really worried about working. They just want to make sure they can eat and party. That's all their interest, as far as they think. And we can see that in this time in which we're living. The other is Mary. Isn't it strange? I don't care what happens. Even in 2008 when everything went down, two things were still happening. Babies and funerals. I don't care how bad it gets. We still see babies. And we still see death. And he said, they're so busy with living, they didn't take time to hear the message that God had delivered to them. Remember what said about God? God is faithful. God is faithful. So it's not that God judged these people without first giving them what? A warning. God is faithful. God will tell you. God will allow you to know. He'll give you the information. But then you're the one who has to receive it and accept it. And he says, up to that day, Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen. Noah entered the ark. Let's talk about that a little bit. If Noah saw all these other people not worried about getting into the ark or not believing. Wouldn't Noah scratch his head and say, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with my thinking. Maybe I'm not hearing right. Maybe I'm not believing right. But Noah was a type of person That heard from God and believed God, period. Are you that type of person? That hears from God and believes, period. See, it wasn't the rain that forced Noah in to the ark, it wasn't the people outside that forced Noah into the ark. What took Noah into the ark was his faith believing God believing God believing God and he went in believing that there was going to be a flood not seeing the flood at first But believing because God said there was going to be a flood, he went in. And God gave him time all the way up to that hour or that time in which he was going to really send the rain. But Noah entered the ark because he believed God. The scripture says, Be ye ready. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Are you ready for whatever is going to take place prior to that? Are you convinced in your mind that what you believe, that you are fully persuaded that you believe it and nothing's going to change it? Because what you believe is going to be so important as we head towards the future. Yet, oh, let's go ahead and go back one. Go over to Luke with me, because Luke gives us another little picture of this. Go to Luke seventeen twenty six. Luke seventeen twenty six, because. He doesn't only talk about Noah, but he gives us a little picture of Lot also. And again he ties it in to his coming and what's going to take place. Pick up with me in verse twenty six, where he says we get there. Now, just as it was in the days of Noah so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, giving, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Now catch the next illustration that he's going to give you also. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and doing what? Can we get so busy in life that we're missing what God is revealing to us? That God is showing to us? That we miss even what his word is saying? Because we become like those in Peter, the scoffers, we become a people who begin to just love a good story rather than truth. We're not really caught on sound doc- doctrine. We want the ears to be tickled, and we just want to have a good story or a good lecture or, as some folks say, just a good talk. And he says, it will be just like this. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planning, building. Folks are busy. Folks are busy. But the day Lot left Sodom, look at it. The day he left, the day Noah entered. No man know of the day or the hour. But the day Noah entered, the day Lot left. Sodom. Fire and suffer. Rang down from heaven. And destroyed them all. It will be. Just like. This. On the day. The son of man. Is revealed. On that day. No one who is on. The roof of his house with his goods inside, should go down to get them. There's the warning. Some things you're going to have to be willing to what? Lose. Some things you're going to have to be willing to let go of. Some things you're going to have to see as less important in your preparation and you getting ready for the Lord. Now, the world's condition. What does this world really look like? What's happening in this world today that would give us any inkling that we're even getting closer to the Lord's return, tribulation period? What is it that gives us any warning of this? Because, see, life can go on and as and, and life go on, we, again, we're just people, we get caught up in it. We get caught up in the busyness. We get caught up in being successful. We get up caught up making our plans for our vacation and doing this and building this and buying this and, and everything else. And somehow we leave God out of it. He says, in 18, Luke 18:8, 18, 8, "I tell you." He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man come, now ask this question. Do you really see people of faith? Do you see faith dwindling? Do you see faith eroding? Are you discovering that there's less people today with faith than when you were coming up? Genuine faith? Do you hear less people talking about God from when you were young and where you are now? Do you hear of less people being converted to Christ? Do you hear people really with a heart for the Lord? Or is that less? And he says, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And what he's talking about there, some have suggested saving faith, or some would say the faith. The faith that leadeth to salvation. The faith that causes one to believe. Faith. And he said, will you find any And what's happening in our culture look at Britain. Britain went at one time the leader of Christianity just went go and check out Germany. Calvin's own hometown. Faith was just roaring and just went zoom. And America is slowly what? And we're seeing it even among people. And the question is will you and I be faithful if the Lord returns soon? And then how do you describe faithfulness? How do you find, define that word faith? And here's it's talking about saving faith. The faith. Really believing God. Do you have the faith that believes God? that really believes God? That's the real question. Does your faith stretch out and trust God? One of the things that are missing today is faith. It's faith. We have people of less faith today Because people are running everywhere trying to get spirituality or some type of spiritual experience. They'll run to India. They'll run over here. They're running to Buddha. They're running to Islam. They're running everywhere but to Jesus Christ. Open your eyes and really see it. We have some mega churches. But a lot of mega churches are hurting financially. And the whole issue is that we're still seeing far too many churches that are closing. Because we have and we are living in a generation of faithless people. Go to Peter with me. He says, First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. People will come who will mock and who will make fun of Jesus Christ and of his return and oh you Christians just think you're going to escape and you're just going to jump out of here or this is going to happen or that's going to happen and whatever the rest of the world has to suffer through you won't suffer through it And who's going to believe that foolishness and they make fun of Christ's coming and sometimes we help them if a Christian is the pallet of a plane and somehow the pallet is raptured out what happens to the plane? Or as we make our movies as much as we can to try to make things real somebody's driving a car and they're raptured out and the car goes zoom Sometimes it's better not to try to answer folks. And it's better just to say sometime, I don't know. All I know is that God says it's going to happen. And sometimes, to help yourself, to put it this way, my God is not a God of confusion. My God don't cause messes or confusion. I don't know totally how he's going to do that. All I do know is this He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Let's not feed into people where they can mock God or what God says, and we don't have the answers for everything. And He says, scoffers will come making light of this so called return of Christ, making light of it. He says, Boy, scoffers, and follow their own evil desires. He explained something about their desires, so their interest is not really about Christ. And he said, they will say, where is his coming? Where is it? Now, you have to give them credence is that they're asking a valid question of where is his coming? Because the thing is, from the time this thing has started, guess what? It's still going on. Is still going on. Life continues on. And most of us really believe that there will never be an interruption of life other than death itself. And that's very prevalent even within the church. Because... To believe that Christ is coming back, to believe that one day the rapture is going to take place, to believe that one day the tribulation is really going to take place, the Lord simply says in John, 1 John, for if you believe these things, it sanctifies you. It makes you holy. It does something with you if you really believe these things. But if you don't believe these things, then you become much like what. Peter's talking about one who just mocks what God has said. Remember what the word said earlier? His word is true. For how long? Forever. To every generation. His word is true. And he says, where is this coming? He promised. Didn't he promise it? Didn't he tell you that he's coming? Well, where is it? So, we live in a day where people are mocking the truth of God's word, of Jesus' coming. And we can see it even within the church, that people in the church do not really believe Christ is coming. You know what would have been amazing? If Christ would have said, This is Gus Brown. This is not scripture if if you're not really reading your Bible. So you're not going to find this in scripture. I'm only going to rapture folks that are in church on Sunday morning. How many of us you think would miss church? (laughs) We didn't know the day or or which Sunday is going to take place. But he did tell us it would be on a Sunday. But he says, boy, we mock at his coming. Because ever since our fathers died, everyone goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Nothing's changed. Nothing's really happened. But God has given us something to really watch. A little country called Israel. To watch Israel. Israel is like God's clock. Watch the clock. You know what time it is. Watch Israel. Watch Israel. But listen to the people who make light of God. Listen to the people who make fun. And even among your own family, try to talk about this. You'll see if someone doesn't snicker or laugh. Or Do you really believe that? Share it and see what they think. The condition of our country. Go to Second Timothy with me one through five. Because here again, we we find this whole process taking place. Pick up with me in verse three. Chapter one, Second Timothy. Let's start out in verse verse 3 with me. Thank God who I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in prayers. Recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere what? Faith. Paul said Boy, there, there were people who were genuine showing their what? Their sincere faith. Which first lived in your grandmother as he talks about Timothy? Boy, there's this whole process of sincere faith that takes place. Now, Go over to chapter three, Second Timothy three. He says, But mark this there will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times. Terrible times. And he says, People will be lovers of them what? Yeah. All they care about is themselves. They're not worried about being their brother's keeper. They're not worried about their neighbor. And we can see that, that we're living in those days. People do not have value of life. People do not value life other than their own. And he says, they will be lovers of themselves. All that they really care about Is themselves. And he goes on, he says, lovers of money, lovers of money, that money becomes that thing that drives, because people understand you can do very little without money. So they will steal, they will deceive. And as much as we want to say about 2008, it was about a thing of greed as they have gone about. They discovered even the loaning institutions were not fair with the people. The whole issue of American Bank and the people that it deceived in these loans, knowing the people could not, what, pay back the loans. but it was the greed it was the bonuses it was the large sums of money and he says lovers of money boastful, proud abusive, disobedient to their parents, are we seeing that? yeah we're seeing that it's amazing what you can see in the daycare when you see a two-year-old try to call his mother a bee when you see a young kid trying to kick mom or slap mom and and then when you get into the area of ages four and five and and then in school what you're seeing today I would be one parent put under the jail as my dad used to say But he says disobedient to their parents ungrateful do we live in a culture and society that's ungrateful today he said Re- really take note of these things but he said now the thing is this here somebody will say well these things will always happen the issue is this have they intensified have they gotten worse And yes, they have. And he said, when you begin to see all these things taking place, you're getting closer to that time. You're getting closer to that time. And he goes on, he says, Boy, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not lovers of the good, teachers, Treacherous, rash, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now catch this last one in verse 5. Having a form of what? Yes. Are we living in a day where we're seeing people who have a form of godliness? But don't understand one thing about God's word. You cannot be holy separate from God's word. You cannot really be sanctified Holy Ghost filled separate from God's word you can't really be living the word unless you're in the word but to hear so many people who say they're this this and that and it's so contrary when you listen to their life or watch their life so live so contrary to the word we listen to this one lady talk and she's a Christian I want you to name the church because boy she's on the auxiliaries and she always telling us what she does on the auxiliaries and so forth and uh, she was telling this one young lady because the one young lady was telling her yeah I was able to sell $200 of my food stamps to help me with my she said that's a blessing isn't it now? well the law said you're not allowed to what to sell them That's not a blessing. That's a curse. The blessing would be is that you had a job working there. You know. But then, as you listen to a lot of Christians today, what they call a blessing, I'm wondering, don't you understand Satan and what Satan will give to you? That's not of God. God's word even speaks against it. But yet you're calling it a blessing. Child, you all be glad you got that man on. But you're not married to him, you're living with him. Man, you got you a foxy lady. But you're not married to him. You're blessed to have that. No. We have come to a point to what we call blessing sometimes is totally wrong. And we're living in that day. And that's the form of godliness that he's talking about. There's this thing that comes out the mouth, Yes, I love the Lord, yes, I know the Lord, and yet the Lord is saying, Your heart is far from me. I know you not. I know you not. I know you not. And look at the times in which we're living in. Look at the things. Is there faith? Is that area where people mock? Is that area where there's no genuine Christianity? And though people say that they are. This whole thing, it it, it baffles us. Even to a point today, when you turn on Christian TV, how many are really teaching from the Word or giving you a, a story? And he says myths, we get caught up in myths, in speeches, in narrative stories, in friction or fables. The invitation of the invention of falsehood. He tells us in chapter four, Second Timothy chapter four, sign verse three, he said, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. With good sound teaching. Dr. Sovine used to tell us in this area of teaching, he said, You've got to give it latitude sometimes. You've got to know when to give it latitude and when you have to be dogmatic. Can't be dogmatic on everything. But on the Holy Spirit you can be dogmatic. On salvation you can be dogmatic. There's no other way in which man can be saved other than Jesus Christ. You can be very dogmatic. You don't have to even compromise with that. You just stay straight with it. But then he said there's areas of scripture where you've got to give latitude even in the evangelical world because some of us will hold this and others will hold this and others will hold that and that is where it's so good of what Timothy says study the word for who? for yourself study to show yourself approved a workman rightly doing what? dividing that word of God wrestling with it Man. and I want to encourage you this is the time to do that if you've never been in the word, start getting there and allowing God to speak to you. And he goes on and he says, in Jude 1.18, he says, and you have to ask, is this going on also? They love to hear the myths. They love to be told stories. They love to go after their money. Jude says, ungodly desires. Are we seeing more of that? Are we seeing things on TV that we never thought we would see? Even in some of the TV commercials. Jude says, one eighteen, they said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers. People who mock again. People who laugh and make fun people who gesture about things, who will follow their own ungodly what? You're trying to say something to them. That's not right. That's not decent. That's not honorable. That's not ethical. And guess what they do to you? They laugh at you. They laugh at you. Is it ethical for a pastor to receive more than what is considered his salary? That he takes some out of the till, And we're discovering more pastors are going to jail because they've been caught at it. Is it ethical that a businessman would cause his books or do something wrong with his books? A car dealership, won't mention the name, but lost it because trying to fix his books and was caught because of the people who sells him the cars or whatever came in and went over his books and found out something terribly, terribly, terribly wrong here. Lost it. our pleasures and in Jude there he's speaking about the sexual pleasures have you seen that intensify we've made sex something all together more than what it really is and he says find their own ungodly are you seeing our country becoming more ungodly are you seeing ungodliness more in your own family? Among your own kinfolks? Among your own neighborhood? Are you seeing an ungodliness that you've never seen before? Just some of the things that says, boy, look up for your redemption is what? try and I. And God says he will be faithful to every generation. He will warn every generation. He will offer salvation to every generation. And he will be faithful to his elect or those that he has called. He will be faithful to them. And the question that you and I have to ask, will I be faithful to him? will I be faithful to him? Will I be faithful to him? Our God is coming. Our Lord is coming. Nobody can answer this question. How much will the church go through? Or how much suffering will the people of God go through before he really comes? can't answer that question. But what God is saying, be ready, be faithful. No matter what else is going on, you make sure your heart and your mind is fixed on Jesus Christ and you're ready. And you're faithful. And you believe him. And you are fully persuaded that you are in Jesus Christ. Don't doubt that. Don't question that. And if you do doubt it, if you do question it, go all back through it again. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Lord, save me. Save me to the uttermost. Lord, be Lord of my life. Be my Savior. If you question it and you doubt it, most likely you're not. But those who are assured, as Paul says, I'm fully persuaded that my God is able to keep me and that which I have given over to him. Are you persuaded that God can keep you no matter what the storm might be? The old song, that the song that many people used to sing, my anchor holds. Even in the midst of the storm, the anchor what? It holds. Because my anchor is Jesus. Make sure you're anchored to Jesus. Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord. That, Lord, that your word will endure through every generation.